I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning, Prakaptan. As I write this, I am 15 floors above the city of Hotlanta. That's Atlanta for those of us who aren't cool, which includes me. I just learned about Hotlanta like 10 minutes ago. And I am dreading my emigration appointment a few blocks down the street. It happens tomorrow or today since you're listening to this message on the day. In fact, if you listened the moment this episode came out, I'm currently in my emigration meeting sweating bullets and hoping I didn't screw up some silly paperwork detail that will delay my return to my pregnant wife, who is presently 15 weeks pregnant and alone in our home an ocean away in Newcastle. And I think this makes for the perfect backdrop to today's bit of the Enchiridion, Enchiridion 5, which begins with the infamous line, Men are disturbed not by things, but by the principles and notions which they form concerning things. And let me tell you, I've got principles and notions concerning the speed and success of the emigration process, and they are not very stoic. Though they are perfectly procoptonic in that they're flawed, and I'm still on the same journey all of you are. We'll dive into this piece of the Enchiridion and talk more about it once I thank some new patrons and you hear a couple of ads. Don't like ads? Neither do I, but I don't have enough patrons to not have the ads, so this is the box we're all trapped in until that changes. Stoics have to make a living too. Otherwise, we'd just be cynics, pooping in the street, naked, dashing all our cups to the ground in a mad fit of virtue, I guess. So thank you to Gaz Meredith, John Barber, David F. Is that David Feidler? Who knows? It could be. But it's David F. and Chris R. For being the latest to support my work in the Stoicism space for just five American dollars a month. If you would like to start supporting my work so I can keep making it available for free, all the blogs, articles, podcast episodes, the growing Discord server, and whatever else I'm up to, go over to actualstoicism.com forward slash support and make a monthly pledge. It's a big deal if you do it, and thank you. Also starting today, if you're a patron, you get the ad-free version of the podcast too. I'm sorry it took me a minute to bundle that all together, but I'm part of a network and there are rules. Obnoxious rules, as it turns out, that I have to follow lest I be in violation of my contractual obligations and am put into podcaster prison, which I don't think anybody wants, me least of all. But now it's time for the ads. Here they come. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Patreon thank yous, check, ads, check. Time to get to the beef of Epictetus. Ooh, gross. I keep doing that. Although, potential name for a roadside barbecue shop? Virtuous beef? I don't know. Anyway, like I said, it's Enchiridion 5, and the whole thing reads as follows. Men are disturbed, not by things, but by the principles and notions which they form concerning things. Death, for instance, is not terrible, else it would have appeared so to Socrates. But the terror consists in our notion that death is terrible. When, therefore, we are hindered, or disturbed, or grieved, let us never attribute it to others, but to ourselves, that is, to our own principles. An uninstructed person will lay the fault of his own bad condition upon others. Someone just starting instruction will lay the fault upon himself. And someone who is perfectly instructed will place blame neither on others nor on himself. This is part of Stoicism that we see repeated in almost every school of Buddhism. That the problem isn't out there, it's up here in this brain of ours. The flat tire isn't the problem. The fact that we think being late to work is bad is making us frame the tire, the flat tire, as a problem. But the real problem is that we think being late to work is bad, or, as Epictetus would say, evil. But, as all of you should know very well by now, the only bad in Stoicism is vice, and vice is a choice we make. Vice is any choice that moves us away from the knowledge of how to live excellently, away from virtue. So if we think being late to work is bad, we've made a fundamental error of reason. We have assented to the idea that being late to work negatively impacts our character. 
Now, if we chose to just not care what time we showed up to work after our flat tire and we just left the car there, went home, took a nap, and then had our father or mother drive us to work sometime after lunch, that would say something about our character. Not because we were late to work, but because we chose not to try to meet our responsibilities to get to work in whatever way was within our reasonable means to do so. Maybe you don't like the flat tire example. Okay, fine. How about death? Everyone loves a little death talk right at the start of the day, right? I know that I, sitting in my immigration meeting as you listen to this, depending on how it's going, may be wishing for the swift death of bureaucracy. So why not a little death talk this morning? Is death bad? Of course, Tanner. Death is the worst. Death prevents our ability to be virtuous. Well, that's clever. And I will grant that our time to work towards virtue has run out if we're dead. But I would also say that thinking this matters much kind of misses the point about what Stoicism is all about. Not attaining moral perfection, but striving towards it always. However, for this example, I was more so talking about the death of someone or something dear to us, and not specifically of ourselves. Well then, Tanner, this must be the worst. I mean, they're dead. I don't want things to die. Least of all things I care about. Of course death is bad. Notwithstanding how absolutely grueling it would be to live forever, and how cruel forcing someone to do that might be if we could even force someone to do that, what exactly makes death an evil? Remember, to be an evil, something must be evil always, without fail, no exceptions. Is this true of death? Certainly not. If someone is suffering terribly, due to some awful disease, death might seem like a gift to that person. And you might even see that as a gift yourself, as someone who cares about that person. And what about if someone is attempting to kill you, and during the struggle to save your life, you kill them first, in self-defense? Was death evil in that case? I should say not. So death can't be an evil because sometimes death is a relief, and sometimes it's a lifesaver, which means sometimes it's not evil. The only thing that's evil is something that's evil all the time, and the only thing that's evil all the time is anything that moves you away from virtue. So just like the only things that are virtuous are the choices you make that lead you towards virtue, the only things that can be vicious are the choices you make that lead you towards vice. Choices moving towards virtue are always good. Choices moving towards vice are always bad. Or here, evil. Okay, Tanner, fine. But how about this? Isn't it vicious to kill someone period? No. Murder is unjust killing. Unjust killing is killing that ignores reason and roles and is executed, no pun intended, in pursuit of an indifferent. Since this pursuit is done without reason and in opposition to our social roles, it is not just a dispreferred indifferent, it is the manifestation of a vicious choice. It is, in a word, evil. Killing someone in self-defense, however, is different. While dying isn't an evil, living certainly is a preferred indifferent in most cases. And since the only rule about chasing indifference, or rather pursuing indifference, is that we should only do so when we can chase and attain those indifference without working against our own pursuit of virtue, killing in self-defense is just. Of course, if you'd like to really deep dive into how and why there is a difference between unjust killing, that's murder, and just killing, and why one is an evil and the other is actually appropriate, I very much suggest you read some of Leonidas Konstantikos' work on just war theory, as he discusses exactly this and is far more qualified to do so than I am. 
If murder and just killing is on your mind, Leonidas is your man. A slogan I hope he will never use if he runs for political office. Although, in this climate, it just might work. The second half of Enchiridion 5, though, is far more interesting than the first half, in my opinion. Epictetus tells us that if you are someone who knows nothing, you blame everyone but yourself for your problems. This is because you don't understand that your problems live, again, up here in your brain and not out there in the world. People who have begun their instruction, though, their precoptonic journey, blame themselves for their problems. This is because they understand that the problem is up here in their brain and not out there in the world. But the sage, the perfectly instructed man, the wise man, the man or woman of virtue, they blame no one. Why is that? Because the sage knows that everyone's errors are only due to the fact that they don't know any better. They don't know any better because no one has told them. And if no one is instructing us, how can we ever know? And for this reason, when a madman, or a Prokopton for that matter, errs, there is no one to blame, either because the former is entirely ignorant and has never crossed paths with someone who can teach them, or, as is the case with the latter, they are still working against an ignorance that won't be gone until they possess the knowledge of virtue. How can you blame yourself for anything, really, when you don't know any better? As an example, Eric, our resident cynic in the Discord, used to drive me nuts when we worked together. He was always late. He never showed up on time, or very rarely. I might be being a little hyperbolic, but he was late a lot. He was impossible to manage on that front. I, on the other hand, was the guy who would show up an hour early just to be on time, which is an annoyance of a different kind, I'm sure. So in this way, Eric and I were always opposed. One day, when I was absolutely astounded that he didn't get more harshly reprimanded for being insanely late to work, I mean really late to work, and he told me that he defended himself in the meeting he had with his higher-ups by saying something along the lines of, well, you can't blame me for being late if I was asleep. I didn't know I was asleep, and I didn't know I was late. I was asleep. I wasn't choosing to be late. This was as correct as it was maddening. We cannot blame a person who is asleep for not being awake, just as we cannot blame someone who has never known X for not knowing X, let alone for not doing X well. That would be ridiculous. This gives us a useful and I think hyper-practical thing to think about, or to consider and to apply in our treatment of ourselves. We cannot do what we don't know must be done, or what we don't know how to do. And that's okay. In our Prokoptonic journey, we will have many opportunities to blame ourselves. But if we channel a little bit of sage-like wisdom, we might, for a moment, act like a sage by realizing that the only thing to blame when we fail to do something well, right, or at all is fate. Fate is responsible for what we haven't experienced yet, what we don't know yet, or what we're not proficient in yet. Or if you don't like the word fate, you could use the word time here. The more time we have, the more experience that fate brings to us, the more exposure we have, and the closer we'll get to knowing what X is, when we have to do it, and how to do it well. 
Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to support my work and get an ad-free version of this podcast, you can do so by going to actualstoicism.com forward slash support or stoicismpod.com forward slash members. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have a terrific rest of your day. I hope my immigration meeting is going swimmingly. And until next time, take care. Thank you.